episode 62 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on December 4th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, Game Update 5.6 went live and it came with an undocumented feature. For a brief moment, it was credits for nothing and gifts for free. I'll tell you what happened and what the impact could mean for the game's economy. Exploits aside, Game Update 5.6 had plenty of features that were working as intended. I'll give you my thoughts on the activities window, unassembled components, legacy credits, and the Capero Flashpoint. A Traitor Among the Chiss is the next chapter in the Iocath story. I'll talk about what we learned and speculate on where we might be headed next. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Welcome to Episode 62 of the State of the Old Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. This just in, on Thursday, December 7th at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, BioWare will do a Facebook live stream with author Timothy Zahn. And here's what they're planning to do. The Star Wars The Old Republic team had the exciting opportunity to collaborate with Timothy to develop the story for the newest A Traitor Among the Chiss Flashpoint and are thrilled to have him as their special Facebook live stream guest. Tune in to hear his thoughts on the motivations and culture of the Chiss in the Old Republic, and ask your questions. And now that Game Update 5.6 is live, Game Update 5.6.1 is next, and it will go live on December 12th. It was going to be a relatively minor patch, but it now has some major features that didn't make it into 5.6, namely the new new war zone on Yavin 4, the Rakul Plague event on Tatooine. It will also mark the start of the Life Day Celebration, the 6th anniversary of Star Wars The Old Republic, and a double rewards event that will run until January 1st. Well, that's it for the announcements. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. Now, later in the show, I'm going to get into spoilers for the Traitor Among the Chiss story. It will be my final topic of the day, and I will give you ample warning before I start so that you can stop and remain spoiler-free. But first, Game Update 5.6 went live this past week. It was one of the biggest updates we've seen all year and loaded with features. So it should come as no surprise to hear that not everything is working as intended. Keep in mind that any issue that requires a patch won't get addressed until 5.6.1. If the fix doesn't make it into that update, then you're stuck until the next scheduled update or they feel it's severe enough to warrant an out-of-cycle update. Here is the current list of known issues in Game Update 5.6. If you disintegrate numerous items in your command stash and then you do this process again without closing the interface, the bar which displays how far you progress will display an incorrect value. You are still getting the proper CXP, but what is displayed will be incorrect. You can work around this by closing and reopening the command stash after you do a disintegration. In the Kuat Drive Yards Flashpoint, do not press spacebar or escape while you're in the cutscene which transitions you across the ships. It is the second cutscene. If you do, it is likely that the entire group will be transported back to this first ship 
and unable to progress. As long as you do not hit spacebar or escape, this should transition you correctly to the ship. If you end up in the bugged state, you will need to completely quit the group and queue again through the group finder. As a precautionary measure, we have removed the ability for you to queue for KDY directly. However, you can still get it randomly, and that's a plus one for players who like to watch the cinematics while doing flashpoints in a group. If you had unassembled components prior to 5.6, the currency tab will show that you have zero unassembled components. We didn't take them away. They are in your inventory. It is a bug that they are still displaying in the currency tab at all and will be removed in the future. If your inventory was full, check your mailbox. The team is looking into the color switch that happened on some chest pieces. They are looking at getting it addressed as soon as they can, but it will require a patch, and the goal is that they will just revert it back to how it looked previously. Now, Some people reported issues with eye color and sparkly eyes, Eric said. The team is aware of the issue and looking into it. A handful of disciplines are currently performing better than they should be, and this is due to a number of unintended passive benefits which are applying to them. There is no in-game indication on your character of whether or not it is applying to you, but it is a bug related to some of the set bonuses. This will be addressed in a future update if you notice you are healing for or doing more damage than usual. This is why. There were some nerfs applied to the EMP weaponry with this last patch. Of course, we're talking Galactic Starfighter here. However, there was one bug introduced on EMP Missile, and I guess the intended functionality is this. Primary target received 100% damage. Players' enemies within the AoE sphere receive 50% damage. No player enemies within the AoE sphere receive 100% damage. Some individuals who completed the requirements to get Darth Hexed very close to the deadline may not have gotten the companion and or mini pet on Tuesday. They are looking at getting Hexed and or the mini pet granted to them hopefully by the end of the week. And of course, that was the end of last week, not this week. So if that was you, you should hopefully have your companion and mini pet by now. Also, this is not a bug, but something you should be aware of. You need to complete Knights of the Fallen Empire Chapter 9 in order to receive the Darth Hexed recruitment alert. If you haven't finished Eternal Throne, you can still use the device to get Hexed. If you do that, you'll still get the alert if you go back and complete Eternal Throne later on. Now on to the big issue that occurred with 5.6, the Companion Gift and Credit Exploit. And here is what Eric Musco wrote about that. Shortly after launching 5.6, an exploit was brought to our attention. It allowed players to buy companion gifts for free and then sell them back to the vendor for credits, allowing them to gain a large quantity of credits very quickly. We are investigating this exploit and will be taking appropriate action against individuals who abused it. We were able to make a quick fix to the issue without taking the servers down, but it created a bug we will be addressing in the future. Here is the new known issue. The vendor Tahuta on the Imperial Fleet is selling various companion gifts that do not list a purchase price, but they do have one. When purchased, they can be bought for cheaper than is intended and will be addressed in a future update. Eric posted this on November 29th and Game Update 5.6 went live on November 28th, so it is believed that this was out there for a full day before it was noticed and fixed. 
What was happening is this. Players were purchasing artifact quality gifts for free and then selling them back to the vendor for 960 credits a pop. Now, 960 credits doesn't sound like much, but when you can instantly buy and sell a stack of 9,999 gifts, that ends up being around 9.6 million credits. So it didn't take long for players to acquire billions of free credits. Now, these players didn't just take these credits and squirrel them away. When you get your credits for free, no price is too high. Players headed to the Galactic Trade Network and, like Vitiate destroying all life on Zyost, they laid waste to the GTN, depleting it of all the rare and expensive items. When they were done, the GTN was a barren wasteland of a bricky crimson claws and orange-green dyes and other oddities that no one wants. There was a post on Reddit talking about the havoc wrecked by the exploiters. One poster, Swotor Vega, who wrote a credit guide that I talked about on episode 29, wrote this. I sell a lot on the GTN and three characters cleaned out all of my big ticket items. I'm talking all my hypercrates, platinum sabers, black and black dyes, refined isos, etc. This is the level of carnage we're talking about and it's unclear if and when the economy will recover. Now, to understand what might happen to the players who took part in this, we have to look at a similar incident that took place on June 23rd, 2015. If you recall, in Game Update 3.2.2, there was a bug with Temple Chairs. The chairs were put on the Estran Exports vendor for one credit, but could be sold back to the vendor for 100 credits. Back then, they didn't have a way to patch things without taking the servers down, so the exploit wasn't fixed until June 25th with Game Update 3.2.2a. Players were warned not to buy and sell Temple Chairs until the exploit was fixed. On June 24th, Eric Musco gave players an update on the initial actions they were taking. This is what he said. Players found to be exploiting are all receiving a 7-day suspension. This in no way means that this is the only action that would be taken against them. A 7-day suspension is the minimum suspension we are currently giving out, and it removes the player from the game, giving us time to further investigate each account. After investigating each account and transfers to related accounts, we will go through and take additional action, including removal of credits, items purchased, and additional suspension time up to and including permanent suspension, all based on their severity. On June 25th, after the exploit was patched, Tate Watson gave a final update on actions taken against players. The following actions in varying combinations are being levied against exploiting accounts. Warnings, 7-day suspensions, removal of all credits on the account, permanent suspension. We are also going to continue our analysis and may take additional actions. We are looking to wrap up all the final actions soon, thanks to everyone who did not participate in this exploit and those who reported its existence to us. I don't know what the impact of the economy was back in June of 2015, but I do know there was concern over the damage that could be done. And in talking to a few of the influencers, it sounds like it was as bad then as what we're seeing now. Now, keep in mind, back then, stack sizes were much smaller than than they are today, and the vendor sell price for the chair was much lower than what you could sell the gifts back for. It would take a lot longer to earn the number of credits players were reaping from the gifts exploits, but prices for things were also cheaper back then, too. And speaking of cheaper prices, here's what Eric said about buying the currently discounted gifts. 
Purchasing the cheap companion gifts is 100% fine. It was purchasing the free ones that was the problem. So while Bioware sorts out the problem and hopefully limits the damage to the economy, we can enjoy leveling up some companion influence for cheap. should be noted that not all of the companion gifts on this vendor are available for cheap. It's just cultural artifacts, imperial memorabilia, and courting gifts. Which begs the question, how did this happen? After all, it was only a few items on a single vendor on the Imperial fleet. Its counterpart on the Republic fleet was not impacted. I mentioned that only courting, cultural artifacts, and Imperial memorabilia were affected. Coincidentally, cultural artifacts and Imperial memorabilia are the preferred gifts of Darth Hexid and Reyna Temple, the two companions introduced in 5.6. I suspect that someone was doing some testing to make sure that these were the preferred gifts for these two companions and altered the vendor so they could easily get the gifts they needed to test. They either didn't revert back the change or the reversion didn't make it into the final build and the bugged vendor went live. I have no idea if that was the case, uh, but it was a very isolated bug on a vendor that had nothing to do with game update 5.6 or any update that we've seen recently. There is more to come on this to be sure, but I fear that too much damage was wrought to fully repair things. Even with the ability to track every single credit and item, it's a complicated web of transactions to unravel between players with multiple accounts, newly enabled transfers, guild banks, and the new legacy banks, as well as players just randomly handing out stuff, it's a lot to sort through. I just hope the net is not so wide that the innocent get caught up in it and are punished for the actions of those few players who just want to watch the game burn. While Tahut on the Imperial fleet served as a hub of seedy activity this past week, there was no shortage of legitimate things to do via the new activities window. As I suspected, the activities window is Group Finder meets Galactic Command, and it's great. The roles in need seems perpetually set to tank, although I did see it uh, set to damage dealers right before I sat down to record this podcast. So if you are primarily a DPS, you will see... DPS in the roles in need periodically. I was surprised, believe me. And it's a very nice feature. Uh, The operations lockout UI is a lot cleaner and easier to understand. And I especially like the solo activities area. There's never been a place you could go to see which flashpoints you could do solo. And now there is. Not only that, but you can get some very nice decorations by running these flashpoints through the activities window. Perhaps the best feature is no longer having to hunt for the planetary and daily missions you wish to run. You can just pick and choose what you want to run and in what order. Now, not everything about this was good news. The weekly missions for the daily areas, i.e. Yavin 4, Zyost, and the like, are now the instrument by which we access them in the activities window. While this makes it easier to remember which ones you've done for the week, It came at the removal of the original missions that led us to these places and thus removed a source of decent CXP. 
Fear not, this is only a temporary issue. Those missions aren't coming back, but the loss of CXP will be addressed in Game Update 5.6.1. According to Eric, this is what they have planned. Let's talk about what changed in 5.6 and what is changing in 5.6.1 since they are tied together. In this game update, we removed the Galactic Command interface from the game along with changing Group Finder to Activity Finder. As a part of this change, some missions were removed from the game that were explicitly tied into either Galactic Command or Group Finder respectively. This is why the daily mission to send you to those areas is no longer there. The weekly is intended to be the wrapper mission for all these, all of the dailies in that area, which is a change we made coming off of the bugged CXP values previously. This was part of the steps we were taking to rebalance CXP across the game, but it was missing one part. The lack of that daily mission means you actually get less CXP than you did previously from the daily areas, which is not something we want. In fact, we want you to get a lot more CXP from solo missions in the game. In Game Update 5.6.1, all of the planetary heroic missions and daily area missions are going to have their CXP rewards tripled to 225 CXP per mission, up from 75. Our goal with this change is that both planetary heroics and daily area missions are great sources of CXP for solo players. These changes in 5.6.1, along with all of the other increased rewards for both group and solo in Activity Finder, means you can gain command ranks quicker than ever in whatever activities you choose to play. And he added a a postscript. um, Due to a separate change, we made each Planetary Heroic mission. Uh, We'll now also gain the bonus from the Planetary Heroic highlight. Previously, this only affected the mission, which you gained from Galactic Command. This is a fantastic change. 225 CXP per mission may may not sound like that much, but this is the unboosted amount. If you have a 100% boost and the global perk at 100%, assuming you're on a character that's not rank 300, you'll end up earning over 600 CXP per mission. If you're on a character that is rank 300, you'll earn over 400 CXP per mission, even more if it's the highlighted activity and you have the victory state. I mentioned last week that I'd like to see the activities window expanded to allow the players to create and manage ad hoc groups, but I have to say, as it stands now, this is a great quality of life improvement, and I'm using it all the time now. The activities window wasn't the only quality of life change added in 5.6. There was the ability to add credits to the legacy cargo hold, as I feared you have to withdraw the credits in order to spend them. Last week I said this was only slightly better than mailing credits to a character. Having used it now, I will say it's a little better than that. Once you get it loaded up, it's much handier than mailing credits to a character. It's like the take-a-penny-leave-a-penny tray you find at the convenience store, and I'm okay with that. I don't know if unassembled components are raining from the sky, but acquiring them is a lot more convenient now. I ran a whole lot of PvP on my main tune, and I also spent time running daily areas on rank 300 characters. I didn't spend time saving up crates and amassing unassembled components prior to 5.6, But even with my feeble savings, I upgraded multiple pieces of gear on my new operative this week. I think the disintegration changes are a nice balance of unassembled component and CXP gains. And in the course of grinding out crates for unassembled components and other gear, I've gotten a few of the new crafting materials needed for the new augments. That would be the charged matter, transubstantiator, and the encrypted memory core. 
Now, the transubstantiator comes from ranked PvP and is a reward for the various missions. I'm not a ranked PvP guy, but I am tempted to try my hand and suck just to get those transubstantiators. The ones I've gotten from crates I've just turned around and sold on the GTN. I've probably made over $25 million just from selling those new materials. I've seen a few of the augments for sale in the GTN, and they're ridiculously overpriced, and I don't know how much of that is due to the gift exploit. I suspect the impact there is not zero. And a quick note before I move on, I did not attempt Nahut, the new ops boss, nor have I seen the new map for Galactic Starfighter, so I'm not going to comment on those this week. Uh, what I did do several times was the new trader among the Chiss Flashpoint. I'm going to talk about the Flashpoint first, and then I'll move on to the story portion. So Capero, it's gorgeous, and quite frankly, I'm amazed we didn't go in there and blow the place up. Of course, the beauty of the place left many wishing it were a sprawling stronghold, an explorable area, and not just confined to the Flashpoint. I only ran it in solo mode. I did not try it with a group, but I found it to be long and tedious. It's very trash-heavy, and even going through it on a stealth class, it still felt like a slog. It's a long way to get to that first boss. I wouldn't call the bosses challenging, but they definitely took longer to down than they should have. And I wasn't the only one who felt this way. In fact, Saline Ravensheart, who listens to the show, reached out to Charles Boyd and asked, If this level of difficulty is really what is intended for this flashpoint on the mode required to advance the story, why not bring in the CZ droid that we have in the other solo flashpoints? It'd be a great help for those who need it, and those who don't can just dismiss it. To which Charles Boyd responded, bugger off and learn to play. I'm joking, I'm joking. What Charles did say was this, we've definitely seen this feedback and we're aiming to put some tweaks in for 5.6.1. We'll get more detail out there once it's nailed down next week. Sorry, it's been frustrating for y'all. I like that the newer flashpoints don't have the droid. It's much more fun to go in with an actual companion. I'd rather that they tune it properly so it can be done without the droid. And I think in the case of Capero, they definitely overdid it. And here's the thing. I mean, I understand why they're doing flashpoints for the story. It allows them to build solo, story, and group activities of multiple difficulties with one piece of content. But the boss encounters don't really work well for solo play. They're designed around having a group. Unlike the Eternal Championship that is designed around solo play, and is much more engaging from a combat perspective. We just don't get that with these solo flashpoints. You can ignore most of the mechanics, and it's just mashing buttons until the boss's health equals zero. The bosses don't have to go down in 10 seconds, but the fights should go pretty quick. Hopefully whatever tweaks they have planned will speed things up. Other than that, it was pretty good. There's no currency or vendor with stuff to buy this time, all of the loot, which includes armor sets and decorations, are acquired by defeating the bosses. I went through it three times and have yet to see any augments. I don't know if they drop in solo mode. There are some achievements for doing the side quests. You should definitely do that, as one of the rewards is the decoration of the Capero poster that they handed out of the New York Cantina Tour, Cantina Tour and it's a great picture. Overall, I enjoyed it. It's beautiful to see. There are plenty of platforms to grab some great screenshots. It's a nice addition to be sure. Now, of course, the real reason we went there was to track down Theron Sean and bring him home or to justice. It was the next chapter in the story that began on Iocath, and I am now 
going to get into a spoiler-full discussion of what took place. If you haven't played through it yet or are waiting to do it on an Imperial agent, now is the time to get out. Go and play it and come back when you're done. For the rest of you, let's talk about A Traitor Among the Chiss. Okay, final warning, there are spoilers ahead for both the main story and the Imperial Agent variations. I should also state that I've only done this on Imperial characters that sided with the Empire, so I don't know what flavor, um, little story flavors they had if you sided for the Republic, so I can't comment on that. The story itself is relatively short, but like Crisis on Umbara, it left us speculating on what happens next, and more importantly, Where is it going to happen? I'll get to that in a moment, but I want to start with the parts of the story that were specific to the Imperial Agent. If you were a male Imperial Agent who previously romanced Raina Temple, you do get a chance to continue that and are treated with this lovely moment. I heard about the incident with Scorpio and Cleo. A lot has happened, Temple. It's been a long time. I spent years looking for you. I even re-enlisted with the Ascendancy so I could use their spies. Even then, my resources were limited. You taught me to keep my guard up, so I didn't know who I could trust. But the thought of returning to your side kept me going. Despite everything, I've never stopped loving you. Perhaps after all this time, you still feel the same way about me? I'll always love you. Nothing will ever change that. I always worried I was just temporary, like everyone else. You know me better than that. I'm yours, Reyna. Forever. Now that I have you back, I'm never letting you out of my sight. I'm here to stay. If you were a female agent who romanced Aristocra Saganu, there wasn't much of a reunion at the beginning of the story. And depending on how you handled the situation with Syndic Zenta, you got a different reaction from him, and these came in the form of an email from him to you at the end of the story. Now, if you chose to kill Syndex Zenta, you got this letter from Saganu. I apologize for the Ascendancy's condemnation of you. Believe me when I say I fought hard for a formal alliance. Make no mistake, we're grateful for your assistance and stand ready to help should ever should you ever need it. The might of the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force is only a hollow call away. It soothed my heart to see you again, Agent. I wanted to take you in my arms as I did all those years ago. It seems like centuries have passed, but you have your duties and I have mine. For now, I must settle for a written expression of my emotions. Someday, when we're no longer called to action by the galaxy, perhaps we can pick up where we left off. Ever yours, Saganu. So, in that case, if you chose the dark side and killed Syndic Zenta, there was hope that you could one day be with Aristocra Sagano. If, on the other hand, you chose to let Zenta live, you got this message. This may be the last last message I'm able to send before my tribunal hearing begins. As an aristocra, I can escape any retribution for my direct attack on House Inrokini with enough support. However, the ascendancy may not recover. I'm sure you understand we can't help you hunt for Theron now that we're on the verge of a political war. Though I won't hide my disappointment, I understand your decision. Were I in your position, I also would have chosen to keep my hands clean. 
doesn't change how happy I was to see you again after all these years. In another time, we could have continued what we once had. I feel that chance is lost now. I'll watch for your triumphs over adversity, Agent, as I hope you'll watch for mine. Probably my favorite moment playing an agent was upon seeing Temple for the first time and asking why the hell it took six years for her to find me. And other than that, uh, there were some okay conversations between you and and Raina Temple, but I think the the romance option at the end was the big one. Also, if you didn't romance her, or like say, for example, a female agent, you got a little bit of uh, flavor dialogue where... Temple talks about talking to Kaleo, hearing about what happened with Scorpio. It just seems like a little more personal um, than what you would get if you were not playing an agent. So that's it for the agent. I now want to dive into the most pivotal part of the story, which happens right after we fight Syndic Zenta, and we learn why Theron Shan came to Capero. It seems Theron Shan has betrayed us both. He wasn't seeking refuge on Capero. He was after the Chiss relic hidden here. Does she mean the hollow map? I'm going to need an explanation. Long ago, Chiss agents stole a hollow map from the Sith Emperor in case our deal with the Empire went sour. It shows the coordinates to the Emperor's greatest secrets. It's been hidden here on Capero, and only the highest-ranking Chiss can access it. Sean knew this, and he used me. He sliced into my personal logs to steal the map's location. Once he had what he needed, Sean took my best fighters and abandoned me. How did Theron convince your own people to leave you? My brother Vol said he had a vision of Sean's victory. I hope to the stars that isn't true. Commander, Sean has joined a group searching for a powerful weapon. One capable of destroying entire civilizations. They want to use it against you and the Alliance. That map will lead Theron straight to it. Let's see where you're hiding. There it is. Of all the planets in the galaxy. Then our objective is clear? Yeah. Trust in my vision, Sean. You will not fail. Of all the places indeed... There has been some great speculation on where the conclusion to this story is going to take place. The popular choice right now is Oricon. This is based on the location on the map that lit up when Theron was looking at it. If you take the map at face value, then the the location looked to be in Imperial space, and the closest known planet to that location is Oricon. Also in the Autumn Roadmap, Keith Canning stated that the conclusion to the story would take place on a planet you probably wouldn't expect to return to. And Oricon certainly fits that description. It's a good choice, but I'd like to offer up a better one. I think we're headed back to Nathema. Why Nathema? One, we're still playing Knights of the Eternal Throne. And two, I believe that this super weapon represents Vitiate slash Valkorion's last stand. It's his contingency plan in case things went wrong. Also, Oricon isn't exactly hidden. And I, don't, and I don't just mean because we went there to defeat the Dread Masters. This was a world known to the Sith Empire. The Emperor sent the Dread Masters there to conduct research and later allowed them to build their fortress on Orokin. While perhaps not significant to the greater galaxy, this world and what was happening there wasn't exactly a secret. Not only that, but as far as we know, Theron doesn't have any history with Orokin. He was not part of the Dread Masters' story, 
Would he have known about the events that took place there? Sure, but I don't know that he would have reacted by saying, of all the places. That was a reaction that said, I can't believe I'm headed back to this awful place. Ziost would be a better choice than Arakan, as it's a place that Theron spent time on, and not just for the events that took place right before Knights of the Fallen Empire. He went there as part of Operation Endgame, which was told in Drew Karpishin's novel Annihilation. And then there's this secret map. Nathema was a world that Vitiate worked very hard to keep hidden. Here's a quote from Lord Scourge in the Revan novel, also by Drew Karpishin. Once it went by another name, but that name has long been forgotten, just like the planet itself. The Emperor erased Nathema from the history books and the astrogation charts to hide all evidence of his crimes. Lord Scourge said Vitiate kept it hidden to hide his crimes, but I think he also kept it hidden to protect his secrets. Of course, if he didn't want it to be found, why have a map to it? As I said, this may be his contingency plan in case he ever did die. The only problem with Nathema and likewise Zyost is that these worlds are virtually devoid of life and there is not much going on there. Still, since there's a super weapon involved, we'll likely be fighting the Empire or the Republic. We know from our first foray there that, the, that there are Nathema zealots and a few wild creatures left to make our job all that much harder. And certainly we'll have run-ins with members of the Mysterious Order whose identity we now know. We've received the coordinates. You've proven yourself useful, Theron. I held up my end of the bargain. Now it's your turn. Will this really work? You have no need to worry. The Eternal Alliance and its commander will be destroyed. The Order of Zildrog will prevail. I have to say, I'm not surprised that it's the Heralds of Zildrog, but I'm underwhelmed here. This is who you sent to annihilate us? I'm a little offended. This is not a major villain here. We've already and we've already dealt with these guys. We went into their lair and gave them a beatdown. We practically tripped over their dead bodies that Scorpio killed when she was the Lady of Sorrows. It ended with their leader, the Exalted Slain, and his son Brennan taking over as a figurehead. And just as an aside, Hilo Viz's folks managed to intercept Theron's shuttle conversation, and she sends a transcript to us. So as the Alliance commander, we know it's the Heralds who are behind all of this. And knowing that it's Zildrog, there is no way that Theron legitimately joined their order as a true believer. I now believe that he has our best interests at heart, and I'm a little worried about Lana. It looks as if she's done with Theron and is now out for blood. I'm more concerned about what happens if she comes face to face with Theron than if we do. And as to what Theron has discovered, I believe that the second coming of Zildrog is actually the second coming of the Emperor, and there's a chance he might resurrect himself in the form of the Serpent Lord Zildrog. And given the fact that Valkorion was able to get inside our mind, Theron isn't ready to fully trust us on this yet. For now, he figures we'll survive any challenges that he throws our way, while surreptitiously dropping us clues that we'll be able to solve and follow his trail. A trail that I believe leads to Nathema. It's where it all began for Vitiate, and it seems fitting that this is where it will all end once and for all. And speaking of ending once and for all, I've definitely went into overtime today, 
So let me cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 62 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 63 on December 12th. And remember the Sith code, cake is alive.